This message is brought to you by Cedar Springs Church. For more information, please visit cedarspringschurchnm.org. Kids, you are staying in here today. If you are, what, second through middle school? I believe it's officially okay to say Merry Christmas. Um, before we get started, I need to address a uh, small matter of church discipline with y'all. I would, I would ask you to keep Kim Capel in your prayers. Um, the elders and the Word of God have called him to repent on the apostate views of pumpkin pie that he spoke from the pulpit last week. We know and have faith that there is grace enough for every sin. <laughs> so keep him in your prayers. It's because we love you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, as we just sang, what a foretaste of deliverance. And how unwavering our hope. Christ is resurrected. And that's how we will be when he comes. Father, it is that truth and that hope and that joy that we see begun at our Savior's birth that we celebrate today. And so, Father, it is... It is that story that we pray that you would un unravel and, and show our hearts, that you would bless us with, with a, a, an understanding of what you have done for us through him in a new way, in a deeper way, in a better way, in a, in a life-changing way. So, Father, it is in his name that I pray. Amen. We're going to begin our Advent this year in Isaiah chapter 12. If you want to start heading there in your Bibles, if you're unsure where that is, just hold your Bible, open it up to the middle, and you will probably be somewhere in Isaiah or close to it. We will be in Isaiah chapter 12. A little PSA for the men. There are 19 shopping days left before you become a huge disappointment to your friends and family. And there is a lot of weight and anticipation placed on this day, so you you need to be intentional about what you're doing. Be very careful about it. In fact, uh, there, there are many warnings out there of what not to do. You know, there's a, a song. You know, we're familiar with the 12 days of Christmas. It's a, a caroler lamenting all of the crazy gifts they got from some psycho lover um, who had some weird fascination with birds and, and uh, dancing servants. I mean... I don't know about you, I'm fairly suspicious of just one weirdo a-leaping in my house, much less, was it eight of them, seven of them, Bound ten bouncing around? That's, that's out of control, especially while I'm trying to corral, what, 23 birds? It's ridiculous. What are you supposed to do with eight maids a-milking? That doesn't make any sense. And, and have you ever noticed that, that nowhere 
in that song, did you receive a cow or a goat? And good Lord, what are they milking? The partridge? It's disturbing. Take your time. Be intentional. There's too much writing on this. Day that we have set up. With all that built-up hype and anticipation around this year, I always like to begin by asking the question, what about December 26th? With all the weight we put on this one day to find satisfaction and joy, what about the other 364 days a year? Interestingly, I would say about 2,700 years ago, the prophet Isaiah spoke of this day. He described what that day actually looks, look, will look like. You see, Judah and Israel at this time were not doing so well. Uh, sitting at the, the, the crossroads of every known geopolitical power of that day, uh, they, they were kind of like a, a blade of, of grass on the seafloor, just being tossed by the, by the tide. By this time, the nation of Israel had split up into two nations. The larger, more powerful nation of Israel was in the north, and the weaker, smaller nation of Judah was in the south. And, so, and during this time, the, the largest threat to either of them on the horizon was the nation of Assyria. So to defend herself against this increasing threat, Israel in the north made an alliance with their neighbor, Syria. But that wasn't enough for them. They... Israel and Syria wanted to press gang the, the smaller Judah into this coalition, but, coalition, but Judah didn't want to, uh, to do it. And, 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 and on their own, they would be too weak to um, withstand it. So in Isaiah chapter 7, God sent Isaiah to Ahaz, the king of Judah, to tell him not to be afraid of Israel or Syria or Assyria. Because even though Judah was small, they had God on their side. The problem was that under Ahaz, the the people had, uh, had forsaken God and begun to, to worship pagan deities. So God had a message for Ahaz. He told Ahaz that if he would repent, that God would still fight for them. And just to be sure that Ahaz knew God would be faithful, he offered Ahaz a, a once-in-a-millennia opportunity. He told Ahaz... Choose anything you want as a sign that I will protect you. Anything you want. You want the sky to be green and grass to be blue? Do you, do you want mountains to be low and valleys to be high? Just say it and I'll do it. Anything you want to prove to you that I will protect you. Do you know how sometimes someone says or does something that's so wrong that it, it kind of makes your skin crawl. It's one of those things where you kind of don't want to stand next to them because you're afraid you might get struck by the lightning that's coming. I think this scene is kind of like that. In, in one of the most disturbing passages in Scripture, Ahaz declined God's offer. He said, yeah, no, I think we'll take our security business elsewhere. And instead of siding with God, Ahaz sought refuge in an alliance with Assyria to bolster their weakness against Israel and their neighbor. 
So I guess all I can say is it's a good thing we're not doing that, right? I mean, it's a good thing that Christians today aren't looking to human power and governments for refuge and protection instead of God, isn't it? Oh, wait a minute. We are. We're still looking to earthly powers to protect us in our weakness. We're still looking for hope from governments and judges and politicians. And if you don't believe me, Bob and I were just talking about this earlier. Has something happened in the last, you know, maybe months, something that you thought was good, where your heart was just like, oh, thank God that happened. Thank God that decision was made. Thank God I can still trust in, you know, our Supreme Court or something like that. And what we were discussing is, is do we have that same relief when we read John 3.16? That God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. Do we have that same relief that we can still trust in God? I tell you the answer for me is no. Which is why this morning, I want to set the stage for this Christmas season by reminding us of this. Just like in the day of Ahaz, today and all the other 364 days a year, is still a day of hope. Today is still a day of hope. This Christmas, Christmas 2021, when we see our world boiling with power grabs and greed and intimidation, I want to remind you that for us today is still a day of hope. No matter what happens around us, today is still a day of hope. And the reason today is still a day of hope is because unlike Ahaz, we need not wonder if God will be faithful. We no longer need question how secure we are in Him. Because look at Isaiah chapter 12, verse 1, where first we'll see that today is still a day of hope because today is still a day of salvation. Today is still a day of salvation. He says in verse 1, You will say in that day, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, for though you were angry with me, your anger turned away, that you might comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song, and He has become my salvation. Isaiah says, You will say in that day. What day is Isaiah talking about, you may ask? Well, remember how I told you God offered Ahaz anything he wanted to prove his faithfulness. Well, when, when, when King Ahaz refused, to take, when, when Ahaz refused to take God up on his offer, God's like, you know what? I'm just going to give you one of my own. I'm going to come up with a sign that you can trust that I will be faithful. So what would God choose as a sign that he would, he would never forsake his people? What incredible feat of power and sovereignty would God display as evidence that he would be forever faithful? Well, in Isaiah chapter 7, you're welcome to turn there with me if you like, but in Isaiah chapter 7, immediately following Ahaz's rejection of God's offer, God said this to Ahaz in verse 13. Uh, Isaiah chapter 7, verse 13, God said, Hear then, O house of David, Is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, 
the virgins shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And then later in chapter 9, verses 6 and 7, further identifying this child that would be the sign, Isaiah said, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. In other words, the proof that God would be eternally faithful to his people was the day that our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ, was born to a virgin. That was the mighty act of power and sovereignty that God chose to say, look, here, this proves that I will forever be faithful to you. It's a sign that God would forever be a refuge to those who are weak and vulnerable. That sign was Jesus Christ being born to a woman who had not yet been with a man. Listen, brothers and sisters of mine who believe in that Christ today. Today is still a day of hope because today is still that day of salvation. And here's why. There's a couple of reasons that you, back in Isaiah chapter 12, verse 1, starts off, you will say in that day, that you is singular. So if you have not placed your trust in this Jesus, I want you to be assured this salvation is between you and God alone. Being here at church has no bearing on what God thinks about you. Children, what your parents believe has no bearing on what God thinks about you. How good you are or how good you even try to be has no bearing on what God thinks of you. But today is still a day of salvation because Jesus can still be your strength in your song. He can still be your hope that God will turn his wrath away, as Isaiah said. But you personally, individually, must trust in your heart that God will turn his wrath away from you because this child stood in your place at death. And listen, as you think about that, remember God proved that he would be faithful to do that when this Jesus was born to a virgin. And that's not the only reason that today is a day of salvation, though. Listen, the greatest wonder of our salvation is not that we loved God. It's that God loved us. The second greatest wonder of our salvation is not that we continue to love God, but that He continues to love us. Meaning today is still a day of salvation because just like Isaiah said, God continues to turn His anger away from us because of the work of Jesus. Now, make no mistake, his condemnation and wrath, it did fall. It just didn't fall on us. In other words, today is still that day of salvation because 2,000 years ago, Jesus was born so that he would be able to take our places in death, which means today is still a day of hope because the death of Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago is still powerful enough to turn God's wrath away. Which means, look at verse 2 again. Behold, 
This is what we will say in that day. That's the future day. That's today. Behold, God is my salvation. Today, God is still my salvation. And I will trust and will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song. And he has become my salvation. We need not fear because God has proven we can trust him. This means that God will be our strength and our song. Today is still a day of hope because today is still a day of salvation. But look at verses 4 through 6 where Isaiah describes our, our response to this day of salvation. He says, and you will say in that day, this is, this is that day, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth. Shout and sing for joy, O inhabitants of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. In other words, because today is still a day of hope, that means today is still a day of proclamation. Today is still a day of hope because today is still a day of proclamation. Now, in order to grasp what Isaiah is describing, you need to understand a, a nuance that's a little hard to see in English. That word you at the beginning of verse 4 is different from that you at the beginning of verse 1. As I said, that you in the beginning of verse 1 was singular, but this you in verse 4 is plural. Verse 1 and 2 said that each of us individually will say on that day, God is my strength and my comfort because he has turned his anger away from me. But now in verse 4, because of that salvation, today is also the day when we lift up our voices in proclamation together. And verse 6, and verse six says that, it, that that praise ain't a whisper. It's a shout. So, so ultimately, listen, what is this proclamation? Today, Christmas 2021, our proclamation is the proclamation of a people who are so consumed with the bigness and majesty and power and glory of a holy God who is in their midst that they can't contain it. Let me explain this differently by contrast. Just a few chapters back, Isaiah had a very different proclamation. In Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah had an unscheduled appointment in the presence of God. And upon arrival to the presence of this Holy One of Israel, Isaiah's proclamation was, Woe is me. I am being undone because I am a man of unclean lips and I live in the midst of a people of unclean lips. So think about this. Really think about this. Even though the Bible calls Isaiah one of the most righteous men to ever live. In the presence of the Holy One of Israel, Isaiah identified more with the pagan people he lived with than the God he stood in front of. That's how holy our God is. Isaiah's proclamation in the presence of such a perfectly holy God was that he felt like he was being unraveled. Uncreated is how he literally said he felt. But, Isaiah is telling us that God's work is so mighty that today we identify with a different group who has a different proclamation. 
In other words, because of God's intervention through Jesus Christ, our collective proclamation is that our greatest dread has become our greatest joy. Just like the hymn we just sang, our proclamation today is come behold the wondrous mystery. Christ the Lord upon the tree in the stead of wounded sinners hangs the lamb in victory. Shout that, O inhabitants of Zion. Let that be your song. Because his glorious deeds, because of his glorious deeds, the Holy One of Israel, the Holy One of Zion is now in our midst and we are not being undone. Today is still a day of proclamation that even though he was born as a child to live among us 2,000 years ago, he hasn't left God's deeds are so glorious that we are still in the midst of him through his spirit. If that's not a glorious enough deed to proclaim, I don't know what is. Brothers and sisters, today is still a day of hope, which means that today is still a day of proclamation. Here's where our God leaves other useless religions in the dust. It's where His Word really comes into contact with our lives. It's where the double-edged sword begins to divide soul from marrow. Today is still a day of hope and salvation. That's not a question. That's truth. That's black and white biblical truth. But God is honest enough to address another truth. He's okay addressing the truth that maybe that isn't you this morning. Maybe the truth is that today is not a day of hope for you. Maybe the only thing you feel like proclaiming today is grief, or anxiety, or hurt, or marital strife. Maybe you listened to your mother when you were, long, when you were young, And you don't feel like proclaiming anything because if you opened your mouth, it would not be something nice about someone else. So what happens when you're in a place like that? What happens when you you find yourself in a place where you know what you should do, but you don't want to do it? It's not in your heart. It's just in your head. What happens is, 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 is you find yourself in a very awkward tension. Attention of knowing in your mind what Isaiah is saying is true, while at the same time knowing in your heart that you're not there. And this is a dangerous place to be. You know why? Your initial response might be something like, yeah, because I'm not doing something I should be. But that's what's so dangerous. What's so dangerous about being in this place is that we begin to feel an obligation to do these things. And hear me on this. God hates obligation. He hates it. He said He'd rather someone close the doors to the temple than sacrifice be offered an obligation. So what are we to do? This is the beauty of Scripture. 
God knows how you feel. And he isn't intimidated by your heart. He's, he's not afraid to acknowledge this elephant in the room. Listen, here's how your God works. He doesn't want your obligation. He wants to change your heart. He doesn't want you to proclaim his name because you have to. No, he wants to change your heart so you want to. So if that's you, if you find yourself in a place this morning where your heart doesn't match your mind, where you know that today is a day of hope and a, and a day of proclamation, but your heart isn't there, then I want you to know that today is still a day of hope for you. Because if you've been paying attention, we skipped something very important that Isaiah said. If you look at the structure of our passage, you can, you can see it emerge Notice at the beginning of our passage, verse 1, Isaiah says, You will say in that day. And then notice at the beginning of the last section of our passage, in verse 4, Isaiah says, And you will say in that day. Meaning, on that day when the child is born of a virgin, that child who will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting, Prince of Peace, on that day you will say, God is my salvation and my strength. On that day... You will proclaim His glorious deeds to the world. So what if you're not there yet? Well, what stands in the middle of both of those sections fueling those responses? What stands in the middle of those two sections propelling our proclamation of salvation and praise 2,000 years later? It's joy. Look at verse 4. Or 3, excuse me. Look at verse 3. Standing in the middle of this day, Isaiah says, With joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. The Puritan theologian John Trapp wrote that no duty is more pressed on us in both testaments than this of rejoicing in the Lord. He said, it is no less a sin not to rejoice than not to repent. In other words, listen, today is still a day of salvation, and today is still a day of proclamation, because today is still a day of jubilation. Today is still a day of jubilation because we can still drink deeply from the wells of salvation. When we get thirsty... We can still drink as deeply as we did on day one from the wells of salvation. Speaking of this passage in John chapter 7, Jesus said, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He said, Whoever believes in me, as the Scriptures has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And many times, Jesus said that the reason he did and taught these things was so that that His joy would be filled in us. So how joyful are you this morning? How much joy do you have flowing out of your life? It's not a relative question. The answer to that question depends on how deeply you've been drinking from the wells of salvation. Have you been going to the dry, cracked, broken cisterns of the wells of salvation of our, of our government or of people in your life? 
or your job or your spouse? Are you drinking from the wells of salvation that are deep and full? Because what Jesus said is that the joy that's, that's dumped into us through the wells of salvation, it's like dumping the ocean into a sippy cup. It cannot be contained. In fact, did you notice how, how Isaiah put it? Because if you read it too quickly, you'll miss it. Look at verse 4 again and notice how many wells Isaiah spoke of. He said, you will joyfully draw water from the wells of salvation. Plural. Okay. That doesn't sound right to me. There's only one way of salvation, right? Absolutely. There's only one way to salvation, but there are countless wells of blessing bubbling up from that salvation. Okay, well, how many wells are we talking about? Well, how many days have you been alive? The Word of God says that God's well of mercy is new every morning. Is your enemy accusing you of being unworthy of God's affection? Are you suffering from that joy-sucking onslaught of shame and disgrace? then I would encourage you to visit the well of freedom. The well of, of, of the freedom of the sufficiency of Christ's sacrifice as many times as you need until that thirst turns into joy. Are you feeling vulnerable and, and powerless in the wake of so much social and political of upheaval? Then, then you need to visit the well of God's sovereignty. And drink as deeply as you need until that fear and anxiety turns into joy. Are the pangs of relational discord sapping your joy and your love for other people? Then you need to visit the well of God's grace and drink as deeply as you can of His forgiveness of your sin. Until the joy of, of, of forgiveness becomes your perspective of others in your life. What are you thirsty for? Name it. There, there's a well of love. There's a well of power. There's a well of hope and a well of fellowship. There's a well of knowledge and peace and strength. And on and on and on it goes. There is a well of joy, no matter where you are, that you can drink from. In, in, in fact, as we enter this, this season where expectation so rarely meets reality, where joy so often seems manufactured and fleeting, I want to leave you with a mental picture. We do live in a, in a barren, dry wilderness of hate and darkness, and strife. But you know the way to countless oases. No matter where you are, no matter how parched or weary or weak you are, you have access to endless, bottomless wells of joy in the salvation of Jesus Christ. Every day. And unlike the water here in New Mexico, you don't even have to conserve it. In fact, you're commanded to revel in it. You're commanded to turn it on and leave it on all day long. Let it run down the street. We are encouraged to pull up bucket after bucket of fresh, cool water in endless supply. We're encouraged to joyfully drink deeply of it. 
We're encouraged to pour it over our heads, to wash our face with it, to dunk our faces into it, and to splash one another with it. A water fight of endless joy drawn from the deepest wells of salvation. Today is still a day of jubilation because today is still a day of salvation. It's still a day of hope. So in a wilderness like the one we live in, this Christmas season, if you're finding it difficult to proclaim the glories of our God, then here's what I want you to do. Get your floaties and go to the wells of salvation and spend some time splashing around in the bottomless joy that was bought for you by Jesus Christ. And then when you're done, load up your super soaker and drench a few others around you with the joy that you find there. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a gift you have given us in our salvation. My prayer this morning, Lord, is that you would do what it takes to pull our eyes and our hearts off of the things in this world that we look to for joy. And that you would guide us, even, even as, as, a, as the blind, to these wells of salvation that we could drink deeply of them. Father, teach us that we don't understand the, the number of these wells and we don't understand the depth of them. We walk past them every day chasing mirages. Father, I pray that, that through your word, and because of the, the salvation you have bought us in Jesus Christ, that our joy on December 26th would be that much more than December 25th. Because you are unceasing. Your grace is never ending. And you just continue to grow us more and more in our understanding of that. And so our joy just grows more and more each day. Father, it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Amen. If the